G'day folks, it's uh, Detour Live time again. We're ready to unpack a, a action-packed opening time trial, uh, the Giro. I'm joined by uh, three-time national road race champion, Johnny Trevorrow. Uh, he actually rode the Giro. I used to give you a stick uh, during the Tour de France, but this is one grand tour you did ride, so <laughs> it's bloody great. And Olympic gold medalist from Sydney 2000, Scotty McGrory. How are you going, boys? Good, 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 mate. We're going well, um, Daniel. What were the takeaways from last night? Look, bloody carnage. Super quick, though, wouldn't it? Average speed, 58 kilometres per hour for a time trial. Of course, if you're going to go downhill, it's going to be faster than normal, so it's not like a true <laughs> average, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, really risky, really, really risky. Um, some complaints. Obviously, Victor Cumbernauts was the one that complained the most. He did have a crash, um, and I, I, I heard Brad Wiggins's comments about that. He looked at the crash and just thought, well, hang on. Right error. You know, he's, he just stuffed up. He balls it up, apparently, is what the way we go said it. You've got two levers on your bike that attach to your handlebars, and when you're going downhill into a hairpin, you pull on them and it slows you down. That's what Victor didn't get right. <laughs> mm. Well, do you reckon, Iffy? Yeah, look, uh, the interesting one to me uh, was Lopez because he fell He fell off on a straight bit of road, and I was talking with Scotty earlier about that. I found it a little bit more. He's... Uh, he broke his uh, um, handlebar extensions, uh, cracked at the same time. He had a bump and uh, they combined together and, and down he went. But it was a real strange one. Did you get a chance to look at that one, Scotty? I did have a look at it. And um, and just by your description there, uh, I've watched enough episodes of NCIS to probably work out that the broken handlebar was from actually hitting the bump. I reckon that's what happened. <laughs> it wasn't just <laughs> simultaneously. At the same. But, yeah, he was, he, he, he was approaching a corner. And he's put one hand onto the the you know, the normal handlebars to, to almost get himself ready for the corner. Still had one on the uh, on the time trial bar, time trial position, and just unfortunately hit a bump at the same time. So that put him off balance, and it just pinged him straight into the barriers. So really bad luck for him to crash out of the race. Um, so that yeah, obviously he was. I felt that he could possibly, well, probably if he's recovered okay since the tour. Be the main, the main man for Astana. We talk about Jakob Fulsang, but uh, you know he hasn't had the Grand Tour results as what uh, Lopez has. So I think you know he might have been the man that third week if he could have held his form. Well, it doesn't matter now; he's out. He's out, exactly. Um, Lee Barry's got a good question. What do you think of EF's fine for their helmets? I wasn't aware they were fined. What happened there? Do you know? No. no. Oh, well, we, we, we actually don't have an opinion, Lee. Um, we'll let that one go through to the keeper. Um, I was going to say, I agree with it. I do agree with it, but uh, yeah. I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Also, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care about yeah. it. Uh, Wendy Superfan, hi, guys. Do every team have a representative regarding rider safety during races? Um, no. No. No, there, that... is, there is a there is a riders organisation that is supposed to you know be in charge of that um, with the UCI. Haven't had a lot of voice. They really haven't. You know, it's almost a bit of a, no. um, yeah, a token. Really, it's not a real riders union as it's always been asked for. G Gianni um, Bugno is not exactly really popular because of that. He gets paid very well, and they don't reckon he does a, a, a good enough representing job. But in answer to Wendy's question, I suppose. The DS of every team is the person who uh, would be looking after the safety of, of, of the team, I'm sure. That's really part of his role. Well, yeah. uh, we all I was going to say we all thought that uh, Garner was going to uh, win the stage and, and this was his comments thanks to Valon uh, post-race. 
strange because uh, uh, right now uh, what's going on the video is not working uh, that's interesting uh, we could have an interesting episode boys if the video is not working um, but anyway uh, he was obviously stoked after the finish there I Coming up I don't know. Dan, a, we, we were watching it. it perfectly. Really? Yeah, I could oh, see. Hang on. We, I'll we try. Get, I'll... Uh, uh. Oh, okay. How much of the interview did you get? Well, it was just at the start of it. He was in the car and he had his mask on and he was yabbering away, but uh, you yeah. cut us off. Yeah. And you yeah. were yabbering yeah. in the back. Ah, well, he just said he you was were Sorry. I don't know what's going on. Now I've got technical <laughs> difficulties. Um, but, oh, he was stoked. He just said, you know, how good is this? I've got the rainbow jersey. Now I've got the pink jersey. Um, but obviously Simon Yates uh, would, would have been stoked with that ride and uh, hopefully this video works. This is the best bits of the backstage pass uh, with all the action in the car. Stuck right there in the number comfy, smooth, already looking like a bum. The race is going to be one over three weeks, not 13 minutes. My girl got city to run, got the key to the kingdom where the money's from. Never seen Scully yelling, never seen sun. Good, mate. The middle of the road is a good place to be. Go by feel through here. Very good. Taking him. You, ask, you watch, watch the gas, some from the left, some from the right. That's very good, mate. Up to speed here. Let's go. Up to speed. One last corner to go. 2k to go, and you're all over. 1.5k to go. Come on, mate. Let's go. It's a very good TT. Come on, your second fastest time here. Very good. Come on. Very good. Got a limousine, I got a full time job, just to keep it clean. Got I believe that last like three, four K there. It's actually a bit quite headwind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mate, it's day one done. Yeah, I know. Day one done, you're upright. Yeah. 90 hours of racing the duo is going to be, mate. Yeah, petrifying. Yeah, I'll actually be, I don't know if I'll sleep tonight. There's <laughs> <laughs> not much I can do on a course of that. Uh, I think I've done an okay ride. Uh, still some guys to finish. Uh, did, did what I could. We started, so happy days. He seems pretty relaxed. Uh, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> that, that must have been nerve-wracking for a DS when you're getting up to those sort of speeds, Scotty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and we know that off the back of an Italian summer, the roads get really slippery. There's so much dust. And, and obviously, initially, if people that haven't been there, there's a lot of diesel cars, a lot of diesel vehicles. That settles the exhaust fumes of that settles on the roads as well. So if there's not much rain to wash it off, a bit of dust over summer, plus the diesel fumes, they get really treacherous. Spain and Italy are really dangerous, even in dry conditions. And we saw that little uh, slip that he had on one of the corners. Campanazzo, as we've already mentioned, crashed as well. So once you're in the car, it's, everything's out of your control. And you can hear Whitey saying, look, watch the gusts of wind. They're coming from the left and the right. Well, yeah, thanks. That wasn't very helpful. But he's just trying to do something. He's trying to offer something to give him some advice to calm him down. Um, but it's yeah, it's challenging for the DS because it's just nerves until they get right to the very end. There's nothing they can do once they're in the car. But that was a really good ride. You know, John mentioned last night, this was the one that he was dangerous, dangerous to him for the overall classification. He only lost 26 seconds. Forget about Ghana. Ghana's not going to be in the overall class. It's Geraint Thomas who finished fourth on the stage. He's only 26 seconds behind him. He did so much better than all of the other contenders. So that shows that uh, Simon's in really good form. In a discipline that he's not that good at, he was very nervous about and still didn't lose much time to one of the best in the world in Geraint Thomas. So he's in good form.
Yeah, he seems to have improved uh, his time training a little bit over the last couple of years. Uh, he did a pretty good time trial the last stage of uh, Torino Adriatico to win that, to beat uh, Grant Thomas for the overall and didn't lose as much time as others thought he might in that final time trial of that. So he's obviously getting it together. But we spoke with Whitey, which we'll talk, we'll, Dan will wake up in a second, but he was talking about the, the real strong gusts of winds that were coming through in the town of Palermo towards the finish where they're protected with the buildings, but they come across major crossroads and suddenly that would be an, an open area that the wind would uh, would gust, gust through. And I think that's what caught uh, Lopez. All right. Well, here's the grab with Whitey uh, from earlier today. Butcher to Scott, Sports Director Matt White. Whitey, you must be pretty wrapped uh, with the performance of Yates yesterday, mate. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it was a really tricky time trial. Uh, I'm not sure how much people saw from the television there, but we had you know, winds of uh, 30 to 50 kilometres an hour. It was uh, 38 degrees at the finish in Palermo uh, yesterday. Real hot African winds. And uh, the fastest time trial you'll ever see. Uh, you know, bombing down, I think they clocked Ghana at 106 kilometres an hour on the descent yesterday. <laughs> so yesterday was really for us about uh, about limiting our losses. And uh, and the yardstick for us is Garen Thomas, uh, as far as the GC guys and time trials. So to lose 26 seconds, uh, I'll, I'll definitely take that on uh, on day one. Yeah, um, we spoke about that before the start, but uh, I was watching it. And I, seriously, it was some people really, uh, you, know, you know, laid it down ridiculously. Obviously, it got slippery. But I couldn't work out what actually happened to Lopez. I, he just seemed to, like he broke something and went down. It looked ridiculous. Yeah, and I think it was a combination with him. I think he's uh, snapped his uh, extensions at the same time, at the same time as uh, got hit, no, he's a little fella, uh, got picked up by a gust of wind at the same time. So, you know, he, he was obviously in a... Pretty awkward situation when when you break the uh, break the clip-ons, and then the wind uh, just picked him up and took him into the barricades. So I actually okay. don't know. I know he's not not in the race starting race today, but I don't actually know how he ended up uh, injury-wise there. But it didn't look good. No. Um, so many people wouldn't understand how much goes into the planning of a TT like that, particularly with like what time do you go off? You know, wheel selection. I mean, how much went into that preparation for you guys with with the eighty? Yeah, look, we uh, yeah we've got availability to some pretty good weather apps at the moment, but you've actually got to put in the the start times forty eight hours before the race started. So we had a look at the the weather, and there was there was a predicted weather a total change of direction, which you actually we did see. I don't uh, for the later riders, and we had a bit of a gamble that uh, you know traditionally in these races you you put your G's you know, back in the day you would have to your leader in the last wave of riders. Now, uh, we, you, we they don't enforce that. So we took a bit of a punt there and put uh, put Simon off, and he was the first GC rider to go off yesterday. And it, it did pay dividends. So I think the guys in the back end of the race, maybe the last 70 or 80 guys, had a, a total wind direction, which meant the first kilometre and a half of the of the climb before they started the descent was a, was a headwind. So that's why you saw even the likes of Nibbly and Fools Gang and those guys, they had lost 15 seconds to someone like Simon in the first uh, one and a half K just because of, of the wind. There was no wind or tailwind for us two hours before and they had a headwind. And then, uh, so that that was one thing. But you know, for us, it was, a, it was a bit of a gamble, but it, it certainly paid off. 
Um, also, I'm hearing through the grapevine, uh, even with the wheel selection, like there was footage of um, Ron Dennis getting speed wobbles. And I've heard that uh, Garrett Thomas just said, you know what, bugger it, let's just throw it all out there and and use the, the disc wheels or, or whatever. But what about the equipment side of things? Yeah, I think with, with the Ineos lads, I think you're talking about, uh, I think G wrote a tri-spoke, which, uh, which is a faster wheel, but it also has probably a little bit less stability uh, with those gusts of wind. So what they were doing is they were descending at you know, 70, 80 k an hour in Palermo through, uh, through, the, through the city. And it was quite protected, but then they were getting, you know, they'd pass a street and they'd get these big gusts of winds and the bigger guys can handle that better. But still, when, when you're travelling at 75 kilometres an hour on a TT bike, on the on the extension, uh, guys were getting taken. I, you know, I followed Simon down there, and he was getting taken, you know, five six feet from those gusts of winds. And you just not got to panic and let that wind, because you know, when you've got a disc wheel in there, you, you're like a human sail, and, and not fight it. Uh, but to complicate things, you know, we're in, in centre of a city, and there was manhole covers. There was the road surface wasn't perfect, so you're trying to judge that. You know, judge, judge hitting those manhole covers, some odd potholes, while you are getting taken across the road with the gusts of wind at 70k an hour. So it was a tricky one, and uh, we got through there with a very good result. Um, that was part one. Scotty, you were telling me about that with uh, Garrett, and he just laid it down and said, bugger it, I'm just going to go full setup." Yeah, yep, so he was asked about that, and... Um... Yeah, they watched the video of, of Rowan Dennis and he was really getting buffeted around and they, the advice came back from the team, hey, look, we might go to a, a shallower front wheel, a C40 um, carbon wheel. And he thought about it and said, nah, stuff it. We're, just, we're all in. We're all in. And, and that is possibly dangerous, of course, but he got through and, and finished four, so that's, that's fine. But it's a real sign of confidence mm. that, you know, he's there to win. And, of course, he is. You know, he won the Tour de France and he is the man for Ineos. They, they are looking for redemption now after the failure of the Tour de France by their standards. So it's a real show of confidence from him that, no, we're going for it. You know, no no, um, no easy way What's, to the end of this. We're going. Is that old saying, win it or bin it? Yeah, throw it all away. <laughs> Wouldn't that be terrible if he crashed out? Imagine the Dave Brailsford and the Ineos crew. Oh, what would they do? Yeah. Someone would be fired. For sure. <laughs> well, did you see? I don't, know if, I don't know if you looked at the. Um, so we talk about Philip Filippo Garner winning the stage and Garen Thomas and you know all the GC guys, but did you look at the other end who finished last? So we had Lopez who crashed out, unfortunately, but in last place uh, was Luca Covilli, and he was outside the the time cut. He was. Seven oh, you're minutes, joking! Seven minutes fourteen seconds down. The next best rider, so the first rider inside the time cut, was four minutes behind Garner. So he's three minutes and 15 seconds slower than the second place, you know, the second last rider in the race. Outside the time cut, gone. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a bloody – you'd be shattered. He must be a lightweight because if he was carrying some beef on that course, he would have been fine. Um, yeah. all right, well, he might have been a lightweight in that he was just scared of the wind and didn't go very hard on the descent. Could have been that kind of lightweight. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's part two of our chat uh, with Matt White. So today uh, is, is a different story. It's uh, not t- such a long stage, but a, a tricky little finish with a, it looks like a fairly steep climb. Yeah, so it, uh, I came out to Sicily in December to check out these stages. And uh, to my surprise, three days ago when I had a good look at the uh, – re-look re- at the stages, they totally changed the stage. 
<laughs> so, the, so the finish climb is very similar, although they're using a, a road one one behind the, the road. But we had a good look at it, and it's it's very similar. The difference is that the stage that I looked at went through the mainland, went north to south. Today's stage is uh, the big majority of the stages on the coast. But that so Agrigento is where the World Championships finished in 1994, where Luke LeBlanc won. And this climb, the, the final that I looked at was only two kilometres, and this climb is a bit over four. It's 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 not so hard a climb, but there is ramps there. There's a couple of ramps at 10, 12% for very short periods. But uh, I would expect the, fa- the favourite for me today is, is Michael Matthews. I think the form that he is in, you won't drop him on the climb, and if he gets a sniff of the finish, he. Uh, I think the, the normal sprinters, the Demars, the Vivianis, those guys, they will not get up this climb. I think Michael has a good chance, and then I think you'll see a pretty select group. There'll be little splits today. You know, maybe 10 or 15 guys will clip off the front uh, you know, with, with the likes of Simon Nibley, the GC guys, plus the odd fast guy, you know, a Ulysses or, or a Michael Matthews. But I don't expect uh, Viviani or DeMar uh, or the pure sprinters to have a chance today. Well, we just looked at the odds just before you came on, actually. Dan had them up, and here they are. <laughs> Michael Matthews is short price favourite. And yeah. uh, all the ones you're saying, although they think DeMar uh, might be able to uh, almost get over it. but uh, Yeah, I, I, I think DeMar has little chance. Uh, Ulysses, yeah, Sargon, no, Sargon two years ago would be the odds-on favourite. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how he's moving today because he's yeah. okay at the Tour de France, but he's certainly not the, the Sargon of a couple of years ago. I remember that that worlds you're talking about in uh, in the early nineties. Uh, there I was sort of there as some sort of manager, managing to get into trouble really. But uh, I remember that world title, it was, and it was a, that climb was uh, pretty solid. It was sort of, and I remember Scotty Sutherland did a really good ride uh, that day as well. Now it's the same. They're using the same hill, John, but I, I don't know because, like I said, the course that I checked out in December was the same climb but one road parallel. So. It's the same air, the same climb we're going up, but the exact way from the worlds, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's solid enough, and uh, I dare say it was probably pretty warm in August in, uh, in 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 Sicily when you did the worlds. It was, it was, it was great. Yeah. It, it must be weird knowing that you know Bling's obviously coming across next year. So if he wins today, he's not in uh, Mitchell and Scott colours, but you, you'd be pretty stoked to to see him get the the win. Oh, as long as he doesn't beat Simon to the line. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think. Look, I think. I think. I think. I think we've got. A, we've got quite a good chance as well uh, today. Uh, but it, look, it's, it's be hard for Simon to beat Bling in a in a, in a, in a sprint. But uh, there's a section I think at 300 meters to go at like eight, seven or eight percent. So it's it's a tough it's a tough little run to the line. But I would expect a pretty select group of riders and uh, and any GC. It'll be a nervous last 5k for the GC guys just because they just need to be there. And no one, you know, when you saw yesterday that Bulls Gang Maker nearly lost considerable time, they can't afford mm. to be giving away another 10 seconds uh, today. You might have to say to Bling, mate, if it comes down the pointy end, <laughs> off you go. <laughs> Line up, Simon. No, 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 think I, about I think... your future, mate. Think about your future. <laughs> Look, I think, I think we'll save that for the last week. Um, <laughs> uh, I, think, I think Bling's got a good, really good chance today and then also in two days' time. Uh, tomorrow's obviously Mount Etna, so tomorrow will be the, the first real, real showdown for the GC guys. Uh, and it's a, it's a Mount Etna. That hasn't been used before, uh, so there's there's six or seven different ways to get to Mount Etna, and we're on the other side of Mount Etna than we traditionally use. 
there's also there's very different ways to arrive to where we used to ride. So again, we were here in December, checked it out. We had a training camp in, in January and actually Simon and a few of the climbers were here for three weeks uh, just before lockdown in February. So we're all over tomorrow's, uh, all over tomorrow's stage and um, really looking forward to it. But one day at a time, got a relatively short, fast uh, day for the, uh, for the punchy one riders today. Uh, we'll get to our selections for today's stage uh, a little bit later in the show. And we've got Alan Davis coming up as well. Uh, but here's the final part of our chat with Matt White where we ask him all um, the Before we let you go, Whitey, and we probably could make this a tradition, uh, what was on the menu? What was dinner? Last night was uh, was pork. With two, we, we get two varieties of pasta every day. Oh. So... Uh, so he can, you can, and usually one has seafood involved. It does here while we're in Sicily. So two, two, two different types of pasta, and pork and uh, and some potatoes. Oh, beautiful. And a good Sicilian, and a good Sicilian uh, red, and a good Sicilian red. So that was that was that was last night. But we we've been up early in the morning out for a staff jog. Oh the yeah. Reason, the only reason I'm going out for a jog is I I prefer to exercise than to, than to cut down on my eating. <laughs> have you still got you still got the pads you still doing boxing or are you i i made they're they're in they've been in the bus since you uh since you left the team but i i struggle to find sparring partners these days mate is that mechanic is that bus driver still for movie star floating around he, he's up a box yeah 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 he, he, he's still around he's still around why do you try to say that dan was just a punching bag is that what you're saying no, I mean, Jonesy used to get a me oh, yeah. used to get a pasta, mate. We, we loved go, it. We, we, we go for I go for a run. Jonesy go for a walk. We get back. We meet. We meet at seven thirty. Whatever we do, but we don't. Get, we don't do ten or fifteen minutes on the on the on the punch bag. Yeah. But that's enough. Yeah. And I, oh, back back in the day, I remember our first Tour de France. We had we had, we had Jerry on the bags. Yeah, yeah but I think I think people were scared. I think people were scared they were going to accidentally give him give him an uppercut. With Jerry's background, I'd be actually a bit scared that he'd give you one, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. I remember in the, in the, in the car park in the age in our first our first tour de France right. there, we had, we had Jerry on Jerry on the pads there. We'd swap we'd swap around. Oh, they're they're oh. still in the bus, but I struggled to find a partner. <laughs> we, were doing, we were doing bloody goal kicking challenges as well. Remember, like we were we kicking did, for that, cash. That ball is still in the bus, Jonesy. That, oh, that, that, wow! It just needs to get pumped a little bit, man. It's, it's, it's been it's been a bit flat for the last five years. But that, well, that ball has been taken out on the other right We were pumped around here because the pies got up by one point last night, and uh, Jerry Sainters. So uh, we're and all the pumped. Storm, uh, and the storm and the storm, and the storm uh, ran down the eels as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, so, uh, yeah, all good, all good. It was a monster that weekend at court. Yep, all right. Well, all the best today, mate, uh, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to tuning in again and, and finding out what you had for dinner, for sure. No worries, mate. Well, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow I, would, I would expect uh, Bling's the favourite today, but the young Portuguese kid uh, should be in pink uh, in this afternoon, I would think. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a good one, Almeida. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh, the young Portuguese one on quick step, he, yep. he, he's quality. He's quality. Young fella, 22, but uh, he's uh, did a great ride yesterday and, he's, uh, and he can climb. Okay. All right, well, we'll watch out for him as well. You heard it here first on the detour. <laughs> good stuff, right, mate. Speak to you soon. Have, have a good afternoon. Uh, it was Matty White, uh, as I said, asked all the hard questions. Now we've got Alan Davis 
uh, in the uh, waiting room, ready to go. Uh, and before we get to him, Ify, now it's your time to start paying some bills. How about you give some plugs? <laughs> the wonderful Mitchelton Hotel at the Mitchelton Winery on the uh, beautiful Goulburn River in the Gamby. And... Uh, a sensational place for, for a holiday. So the only Melbourne, you're two weeks away from opening up, but the rest of Victoria is uh, flocking up there. I was up there last weekend. My, my daughter and her husband with their friends went for dinner, uh, went for lunch in the beautiful uh, uh, restaurant there. So I called in and said hello to the mob, and uh, it's looking absolutely resplendent, and you can't help but get a wonderful wine from the fantastic uh, Mitchelton uh, um, uh, winery in there. Also, as I mentioned, there's an absolutely gorgeous uh, downstairs uh, Aboriginal um, gallery, art gallery. It is just brilliant. So get down mm. there and have a look at that. Did you buy any prints? Do they sell prints as well? That's as good as Prince, money, yeah. sir. That's an yeah, AOU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bought some. Uh, I did buy some prints. Yes, some some uh, Prince Shiraz. Prince Shiraz. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a quick word from our great mates at Bike Exchange, and then we're going to have Alan Davis at the back end of uh, this uh, brilliant ad from Bike Exchange. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. <clears throat> It's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs, semi-amateurs, and pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank and these bars. This could be the perfect match. But not this one. This girl has a bike to sell, and thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on Bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours, and the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace, with over 500,000 products and 900 brands, where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns, and rides. Great commercial. Now it's time to welcome our next guest. He's a winner of the Tour Down Under. He's Commonwealth Games champion. He ran third at Milan San Remo, but he's better than that. He's a ripping bloke. Alan Davis joins us. Albie, how are you travelling, mate? I'm good, thanks, Dan. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm always good, mate. Fellas, Albie, how are you, mate? It's good. You well? Former teammate uh, of mine at uh, Mappe. Good to see you, Al. Yeah, mate, for sure. Well, actually, I was, I was a former teammate of yours. We'll put it around the other way because you were a far better road rider. <laughs> I think we're all teammates um, <laughs> obviously the, the Giro's on at the moment. Um, what were your memories of, of riding the Giro? Were you, were you a big fan? I, I really enjoyed it, Dan. Uh, unfortunately, I only did one. And that was in 2009 where I run into you guys, Scotty. And oh, that's right. Back in the day. But um, I really enjoyed it, mate. I spent a lot of time in Italy with the Australian Institute of Sport and the national system back then. So basically did about six years and turned professional, as Scotty said, with Mappe. So Italy is close to my heart and it was good to do the Giro. That was a pretty fun year, Scotty, the 2009. We're going to um, relive some classic moments from the tour. But that Giro that year... We had a lot of fun. 
And I remember uh, there was one particular stage, Scotty, when uh, Albie was a bit of a highlight with the content. Yeah, stage eight, I think it was, wasn't it? So we spoke to him on uh, on stage nine before, after stage eight, um, where you then told us about how you'd had a bit of a stomach bug um, through stage eight, which gave you basically there's no sugar coating this. You had diarrhoea, you had the runs, but like all professional cyclists, this is stage eight. You've got to get another couple of weeks. Maybe you could do something later on in the Giro, so you have to get to the finish. But you had to go to the toilet several times during the stage. Um, and I, I'll get you to pick up on this, Albie. But um, the thing that really stood out to me was you were using as toilet paper the race caps you were getting from the team car. And I think uh, uh, maybe a, a little fan got more than he bargained for. <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Mate, it's eight o'clock. Everyone's had dinner. It's fine. Yeah. No, Anyone it's, eating uh, chocolate mousse for dessert is in a bit of trouble right now. Oh, Scotty. It was, uh, yeah, unfortunately true, Scotty. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a, it was an interesting story actually because we just come down from the top of Austria back in Italy, had a couple of hard days, and I remember the stage finished in uh, Bergamo. So it's quite tough up at the top there in the Lombardy region of Italy. So in the start of the stage, um, I went. I was going pretty good. Went over these climbs, and as a you know quick sprinter and hooper climb a bit, I was front group and all that sort of stuff. And then oh, about halfway through the stage, it's like oh, a bit of a <laughs> bit of a punch in the guts. I was like oh, that didn't feel real good. And then uh, yeah, so I don't know, it's probably hundred k to go, mate, and. Um, yeah, it's she just she went downhill from there real quick. So within the next sort of you know twenty to thirty k, I was at, out the back of that group that I was in, and uh, and by that stage it was just coming. You know, I was coming out of I was vomiting, and uh, yeah, I was just trying to get through the stage as best as I could. And then, long story short, all the all the groups come past me. All I had was my team car behind me. Um, they were handing me most. Uh, caps and also the feed bags so i was actually uh it was coming out of my mouth and i was yeah i was, I was doing the old number two in into these caps as i was riding because i had to get to the finish you know there's a time limit to to be in to continue in the race so i'm 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 doing what i had to do into these caps and the crowd mate, the crowd up the north of italy are huge you know they're on either sides of the road watching us bloody solo Australian out the back of the race with one team car behind him. And I'm throwing these caps out after doing what I had to do in them, mate. And the, the crowd's going unbelievably wild with these caps and I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> kids dying, you know, classic catches in the slips for these field caps. <laughs> I just remember, I remember saying to you, stage eight, saw date and just pointed the camera, pointed the microphone the way you went. Um, oh, but... <laughs> Do you do you find that the Giro back then it it was just a different way they used to race? Like you know, you had all these big characters, and you know it was on from the gun some days. But then there were some days where, like you know, the bosses of the peloton would tell everyone to sit up. Do you, do you feel that? Um, yeah, it's really changed dramatically to how they race nowadays. Yeah, for sure, Dan. It's it was. Um... It was different back in those days. You know, you had the big Chippo. He was normally the number one. Uh, have a look at this, kid. <laughs> I knew you no, were going to mention Chippo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That so is brilliant. Was right in that, mate. You've got pretty much authority of the bunch. 
And Iffy, look at this one. Chippo is smoking at the Giro. Oh, there you go. Oh, I bet he got paid a lot more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but, definitely, definitely changed, Dan. You know, really long stages as well. So, um, mm. yeah, there was a, what they used to call it, the piano, the piano at the start yeah. of the stages. And there's no helmets back then either, so you could put the gel in the hair at the start and it really looked cool. <laughs> but, Scott, Scotty, do you remember back then, even the riders used to complain about the conditions at the Giro. Remember that one interview we did with um, Jens Voigt? And he cracked it and he said, there's no lights in the tunnels. And he said, one day we're just going to get in the bus and we're going to go to the finish. And we're not going to race. And we're going to go, see, see, we told you if you didn't like take it serious. Um, they've always had issues with that at the Giro as well, eh? Yeah, well, you touched on what we mentioned before, like no real rider's voice you know, around safety. And it's the director of sportives that, that are the ones that really... Um, you know, put it up, but it's, it's too late once you get to the stage. You know, when you're halfway through and you, you finally then come across a, a tunnel that doesn't have any lights in it, it's too late then, isn't it? The crash happens, someone gets hurt. Um, but it, it is a little bit notorious for that. Um, you know, and that goes to what we spoke about yesterday, that stage in, in Milan, you know, when the riders did actually protest because of the conditions, you know, with traffic on the, on the course and massive big potholes. So the riders then, you know, they actually... The strange thing is, though, they still raced the last 30Ks. They still wanted a result. So they still went absolutely flat chat, probably faster than they would have for the whole stage for the final 30 because they were fresher. So perhaps mm. that was even more dangerous to do that. But, um, yeah, look, it's an outdoor sport. It's really challenging to try and um, sanitise a road for over 180, 200 kilometres in length. That's the beauty of the sport. But it is also the organisers' responsibility, as it is for John and I when we do our events that we run, um, to make sure that the courses are safe. And if that road's mm. not right, go down another road. You know, put barriers up, you know, to put them around one side of the roundabout, not the other. You've got to do all these things. Mm. Uh, and the Tour de France get that that really well. Uh, the Giro, they seem to, you know, they stop for coffee a bit too often on their course reconnaissance. <laughs> I was looking at some footage, Albie, and 2009, you then um, did the sign-on for the team, for the team presentation at the Tour, but you didn't race the Tour with Quickstep. What happened there? Yeah, so uh, the Giro was obviously back in the, the normal days. It was in uh, May. May. So um, we had the tour in, obviously, in July. So I did the Giro, and and uh, that stage, actually, Scotty was talking about in Milan. That was the next day after the the, the diarrhea stage. So, um, so I, I run a drum there. So I had a really good Giro in the end, actually. And so my name got thrown in the, in the, in the, in the hat for the tour. I was with Quickstep, and at that time, just start, we just heard it at the end of the Giro that uh, unfortunately Tom um, Boonen had uh, had another was it a cocaine test positive. So, so it was undecided whether he was allowed to ride the the tour or not, or if it was time to to fight it with him, the authorities or whatever. And uh, so mine, obviously, I was the next sprinter on the team, and and uh, so my name got thrown in the hat there. So I went to. Long story short, again, went to the start was in Monaco that year mm. and, uh, and it was still go going on with the with the courts and um, the lawyers and, and whatnot. So uh, I, I did the presentation. Uh, I was ready to go again. Um, I trained from the Giro to the Tour for it and uh, got the call on the eve of the race that, um, that Tom was allowed to race again and um, sort of all the other riders that were selected in the race had already had plans since the last winter that they needed to race. And, you know, there was some money to be made in the crits after the tour for a lot of these blokes. 
uh, up in Belgium. So um, I got the ass. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that, Again. That, that must Again. have been bloody hard to take, though, to, to do the actual prezzo and to mentally be ready to rock and roll and then right at the death, like, no, nah, you're not, you're not riding. Yeah, it was it was um, it was a tough one to take, Dan, because you know I was sort of getting I was you know in a really fine purple patch in my career, you know, and the first times I did the tour were were my first tour to France in two thousand and four and two thousand and five as a twenty three year old and a twenty four year old, so I was really early on in my career and got the taste of it, and um, you know obviously ticked that dream, but. I really wanted to go back and uh, yeah, you know, give it a crack at winning some stages and doing some other things that I that I was capable of doing, I believe. And um, that was a year that I thought I was going to get that opportunity, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, it didn't happen, mate. And yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance to go back there at all. Mm. Um, you would have, you would have had great form, mate. Um, and I think it goes back to that stage eight in the Giro where you just stripped out a bit more extra weight. So you would just floated through the climbs a bit more in the Giro and just floated into the tour. So it is unfortunate you didn't get to use that extra form. A bit of, a bit of, uh, a bit of deli belly, um, you know, as long as it doesn't kill you, it gets you ripped in that front group. Yeah, well, speaking of, speaking of deli, uh, there's a bit of an anniversary, Scotty, from Commonwealth Games. Yeah, was it yesterday or two days ago that uh, it, was, it was 10 years to the day yeah. that when you won the Commonwealth Games? Hey, look at this bloke. Hey, yeah. look at him. Yeah. Who's that bloke? <laughs> look, at this, look at this bloke. <laughs> the 14-year-old kid won the Commonwealth Games. Yeah, it looks like you just <laughs> packed your little school lunch, yeah. put on your little bike. Yeah. yeah. Went, went there and uh, won, won one of those medals. No, 10 yeah. years yesterday. That's right, Scotty. I got a message. Um, someone sent it through, so... It was a ten-year anniversary yesterday. Actually, great, great finale. From, uh, <laughs> the, the, those yeah. closing kilometres were. We had uh, Chris Sutton in the breakaway group, so we're covered with a fast guy for Australia. If if it came down to it, he was already g'd up, ready to go for the sprint for the gold. And then you jumped across, um, and then he was he was amazing. He just flicked, didn't he? Just okay. Well, we've got a faster guy here now, so I'm going to work for Albie instead. Um, it was a fascinating final ten k's that race. Yeah, it was a it was a. Great race in the end. Um, you know, we had Mark Cavendish there to deal with. He was, uh, you know, the fastest man probably ever in, in sprinting, and he was in the prime form at that time. So um, I basically had to deal with him behind. So the, up the road went uh, David Miller, Chris uh, Sutton. Um, Royston, uh, was it? Rolston, yeah. And, uh, I think one more. I'm not sure who it was. So... It was a really strong group up the road with Chris. So we had a really good option there. And behind, I was there with another small group, what was left, and uh, and Cavendish was there. So I basically just accelerated out of a corner and got a few hundred metres on the group. And uh, I thought, stuff it, I'm going to keep going. I was by myself then, so I wasn't bringing bring any, anyone with me. And uh, Cav blew, and so I went across to the, the guys in front and... Uh, yeah, and then Chris just went into automatic mode and didn't did an awesome lead out, and we um, yeah, we cleaned it up. Do you All remember right. the story, Albie, about um, the the stray dogs and the, and the concern? I, that, I don't know if I you was heard going to mention that. I was going oh, to mention yeah? that. Yeah, the <laughs> no, the so man and her name was Sheila Dickshit. That was her name. She was the one right. that got rid of all the dogs. Really? Okay. Is that is that what you were going to talk about when they said, "Hey, we've got a problem with stray dogs." In, um, yeah, we, Delhi. We, can't have the, we can't have the dogs running out into the peloton because it was a, a, a genuine concern. And they had mm. actually 
There was also a real terrorism threat as well. So they put up uh, you know, the fences all the way around the circuit. So there were very few spectators, unfortunately. But the dogs, having, there were so many stray dogs in Delhi. And the story was that they went around, collected them all out of safety of the riders, took them out of town, and then after the games, they brought them back and released them back in Delhi. Now, I sense there was another greater opportunity that they may have thought about at this point, and I don't think those dogs were ever saw seen again. <laughs> no, no they, 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 they did. They got rid of all the dogs and everyone said, hey, well, well, yeah. what are you going to do with those dogs? And they said, no, we'll bring them back. No, yeah, we'll be sure. We'll, yeah. we'll bring them back. Promise. The, Promise. Whole, the, whole, the circle was around you know, the main part of the city, and I remember it clearly. There was, well, caged off. It was like, well, zoo and caged animals, you know, <laughs> zoo animals, attractions at the zoo. So it was just really high, I don't know, nine, 12 foot um, fences either sides of the road. And uh, that was the whole way around the, the circuit. And uh, Jeez, yeah. they must be worried about the dogs, must be able to jump bloody high in <laughs> <Yeah>. Delhi. <laughs> it, was, it was a weird feeling. But, uh, the Delhi dash hands. Um, now, one thing people might not know about you, Alan, and that is you're a very accomplished uh, chef. In fact, the first video we did with Green Edge back in the day, uh, you showed us your culinary delights. Uh, this is the highlights of your Bundaberg Rumbles. Hi, I'm Alan Davis. This is the first episode of Bike Riders Can't Cook. And today we'll be making Bundaberg Rumbles. The first thing you'll need is milk arrowroots. Throw as many as you want in. You can even add half. Throw that in as well. Once you've chucked in the whole bag, it's bloody good to have one of these, especially after a rough day on the bike. Keep bashing away until they're into small pieces. I'm halfway stirring and I forgot the most important ingredient. The other Bundaberg's fine, it's Bundaberg run. Alright, so Throw a little bit of that in. Remember if you've got kids, probably six will do them on, on Christmas Day, but... No, I can't. <laughs> I'm just... It's got maggots in it. <laughs> Put hairs on your chest, eh? Nice. Got the, got the thumbs Actually up. very good, Albie. I'm, I'm sorry I was so sceptical. <laughs> really? You want one, mate? I like how you didn't know who Jens Kuklair was. You went one way. The funny thing about that is we had to we had to sneak alcohol in. That was shot at the AIS, and they had a strict no alcohol policy. You couldn't bring alcohol on on the campus. And I remember once we finished filming, I was like, had a nip for good luck. But no, they were bloody beautiful. They were really good. Good old days, hey, mate. That was the first one off. That was the first cow off the rank too, wasn't it? For yeah, cooking shows. So. Um... Yep. Yeah, man. You did, you did your fine work there, mate. And then you were one of the first guys that we roped in for the Call Me Maybe video as well, Albie. You and Mitch Docker, we went down to the beach. And yeah, that was when the, uh, the, you, that was the Vuelta, right? And so, Alan, you've obviously got a very good relationship with Neil the Sheriff Stevens. He was a hard taskmaster. Uh, but some of his speeches were classic. Do you remember that one he gave to Simon Clark after winning a stage at the Vuelta? And you were late because you were getting a haircut. <laughs> oh mate, there's been plenty, plenty of um. Yeah, Steve has a straight shooter, you know. That's so why get get on well with him too. So, you know, uh, you know, you definitely know where you stand with the sheriff, um, which is good, which is good. I, I really like. 
that that sort of character and uh yeah it's um unfortunately you know and the Dale Sheriff he's been a bit quiet so um yeah, I have to have to go around and see him actually, and catch up and have a yarn and have a few beers and reminisce the old times. Well, I just remember, I think Simon Clark won a stage. It might have been stage five or whatever. But Sheriff, he wanted up the ante, and he and he detected everyone was having a little bit too much fun in the group. So he called this meeting, and Alan was out getting a haircut. And he's like, "Where's Alan?" Rest day, wasn't it? Yeah. On the rest day, yeah, and he brings yeah, him in, and he's yeah. going, "He's just, you know, when that vein fills with blood." And you know, like he's steaming, and it, and he said to the group, he goes, "Right, you know, um, we've won a stage, Clarky. Well done, you won a stage. Some people, not me, some people might have said you got a little bit lucky, you know, with there the stage. But um, you know, you you win two stages. They go, hey, we've got ourselves a bike rider, and I'll tell you right now, only hard bastards win in the last week of a grand tour. And everyone's like, oh, when did you win your stage at Tour de France last week? So <laughs> he just wanted to up the ante the whole time. Um, if he, your favourite memories of Albi would have to be the Bay Classics over the years, oh, of yeah? course, of course. Well, not you know, I've uh, watched him over the years. He's been a, an absolutely uh, legend of a bike rider. But yes, he was a, um, a great uh, participant in the Bay Crits and, uh, uh, and took out the series. Um, I do remember what the, when you did take out the series, there was this young kid from New South Wales we'd never heard of. Yes. Um, did come past you and give you a cold in the last stage, yeah. young bloke named uh, Caleb Ewan. But uh, yeah, but you still won the series, mate. Yeah, I remember that was when uh, Caleb came on the show, wasn't it? Oh, cool, come on the scene. He came off the, yeah. uh, was it Tassie Carnival, Christmas Carnivals? And uh, yeah, we knew we had something special there then. Yeah. Now, let people know what you're up to nowadays, Albie. You've got your own podcast. You're doing a series, This Cycling Life. Um, you've been keeping pretty busy, doing a bit of coaching as well. Yeah, Dan. So um, uh, since basically when I retired pretty much straight away, I went into coaching, online coaching, and um, and also doing luxury cycling holidays. Unfortunately, this year's a bit, uh, that's all been cancelled due to COVID-19, and it looks like next year is going to be pretty rough as well, so... Been heavily involved with uh, coaching. Um, I've also had a sports director job over the years as well. So that's basically my dream, mate, to be a sports director and continue using my skills. I'm also working with the UCI um, as of two years now as a technical advisor. So it was interesting listening to you guys talk about safety. There's definitely one area that we have improved a hell of a lot and come a long way, but we've got a bit, a bit of time to go yet as well. So... I work with them and um, I've got the World to Espanya coming up in a couple of weeks with the UCI. So uh, I'm also, I've also got a, a car detailing business that I started up two years ago. So that keeps me busy as well. Yeah. And you, you're doing that series, as I said, this cycling life. Uh, we're interviewing different personalities. Yes. So um, we've, we've got uh, my mate, Mick Rogers, good mate and ex teammate, also my colleague and also good mate of mine, Jamie Anderson. We have a webinar series podcast called This Cycling Life. And um, it, we basically come, come across it and thought of it during the lockdown here in Spain um, at the start of the year. So it's it's been really good. Uh, we've been giving our personal examples of situations. Um, Jamie, you know, is a as a professor and then how he juggles his cycling passion with his daily routines and um, a lot of people have got uh, a lot out of it and we've had a good response and uh, Mick and I throw our two balls worth in as well. 
Um, before I let you go, mate, we ask this on uh, the show all the time. When you look back at your career and, and you look at the successes and, and so forth, what, what do you think the key elements people extract from, from your journey, mate? Um, well, I hope they extract uh, mateship. Um, that's definitely something that I miss from from a racing days. It's for me, it was never about uh, the results or or winning, so to speak. It was just about um, getting, you know, going into war, so to speak, with your mates and um, having a plan. And we all do our jobs to to get the best result possible. And whether that's winning or second or forty first, um, that that feeling of camaraderie that you get with your your teammates is uh, hopefully. Hopefully they feel the same way that, that I and then that I did and, and something that I really miss today. Well, that's a good point. Is that like obviously iffy, Scotty, is that the thing when you do get to the point where you retire and you go into the next phase, the, the thing that you sort of miss the most is being around teammates and that environment? Oh, for sure. That's one of the things that's come up. So this week or well, the last couple of weeks has been the 20 20- year anniversary of the Sydney Olympics. So I've, I've had a bit of media around that. Um, and the question pops up, you know, so do you miss racing? And I don't miss the competition so much. Um, you know, I get competition by just going out in the local bunch and seeing whether I can still hang on or, you know, hurt the other guys in some way. That's enough. It's it's the, the lifestyle of a professional athlete. You know, it's certainly a, pri- a privileged um, environment to be in. Um, you know, I've got to carry my own suitcases now. It's been a long time that I have. It's not as easy as it used to be. But, yeah, it's that mateship, you know, being in a professional team environment, um, you know, in that that world of, of professional sport is quite special. Very um, very few people get to experience it at that level. Um, and that's the thing that I would miss, you know, just being in that, that environment. What about you, John? Do you miss the yeah, champagne I- and darts? <laughs> <laughs> Like that, as he's coughing, <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> look, look, you do. You, of course, you miss that. But I, I've been lucky to have stayed involved in the sport. So I went straight. Not long after I stopped racing, I started you know, promoting events and uh, working a bit of journalism. So I've, I've still been going along and uh, and catching up with people. And uh, uh, and so I've managed to. To, to feel like I'm a part of it. I've always I suffer with the Peter Pan syndrome, so I always think I'm I'm one of the boys. So uh, I, I suppose I've got by by with that. But yeah, you do you do miss your, the mates that you raced with, no doubt. Mm. Uh, before we let you go, Albie, who are you tipping for the Giro this year, mate? Um, I think oh, I've spread it out a bit, mate, this year for the Giro. I, I think uh, Yates will go close. And um, Fulkslagen and Garrett Thomas are my top three. I just don't know what order. Um, mm. I think uh, after yesterday's stage, uh, Garrett Thomas and Yatesy come out of that really well compared to all the other GC contenders. And I think um, we've got a good chance for the Aussies today with Bling Matthews. Yeah, definitely. Well, t- today, today's um, like back in your heyday. That mm. this type of finish, like you know, it's a short hill. It's fresh legs, second day of the of the of the the, the Giro. This could have been a stage for you. Um, you know, I think this is something you would have penciled off at the start of a Giro back in the day. For sure, Scotty. I would have had the big big Borrow and big Nico and would have bloody <laughs> done circles around this stage. Anything. You know, yeah. Um, the finished uphill sort of suited suited my characteristics as a as a rider. So uh, this would have been top of the list mate for sure and also you know it gives it a little carrot in front of you to, to chase um the pink jersey you know you put in a good good time trial yesterday and you have a good good day today uh you, you can you can have a really good crack at getting grant the pink jersey 
Mm. Before we let you go, Wendy Superfan wants to know, does a UCI rep travel the course checking all safeties in place before the riders each day? Uh, yes. So there is a, so there's five technical advisors. So the races I cover, the, the Australian races in the Spanish uh, calendar, World Tour calendar, and it's only for World Tour races. And, uh, yes, we do drive the course before before the the riders get there and uh, have to and make adjustments if we see they need to be made. Good stuff, mate. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Albie. As I said, you've had a pretty amazing career and you're a ripping bloke, so we've enjoyed having you on the show and we'll, we'll have to get you on again soon. All the best for your endeavours in the future, mate. Thanks, Dan. Uh, pleasure to be here, fellas. Thanks for the opportunity. See you, Albie. I, I actually think of you uh, every time I get on my bike, uh, Albie, which has been a little bit more lately, uh, because I've got one of the original Scott uh, team bikes, and it was your spare bike, LB. You never actually ever rode it, I don't think, but it's uh, your, we're a similar size, of course, and uh, <laughs> it doesn't go quite as quick as what it would have uh, with you on it, but uh, <laughs> at least uh, these days I'm not too heavy, so uh, oh, we can I'm buy glad it. you've got it, mate. I'm, I'm glad you're taking care of it, JT. It's in good hands. Good stuff, mate. Take it easy, buddy. Yeah, I'll be bye. Yeah. See you, buddy. Alan Davis, absolute superstar. Um, now, we've got a segment that we love to go through every week, and that's the Detour Delorean. Well, we're going, we don't need roads. Now, this is going to be a lot of fun. Now, if you were ribbing me, right, you were saying, oh, you know, how big I was. Now, have a look at this. This was, where was this, Scotty? This is the 2009 Tour de France, uh, is it's it? The, it's the tour, yeah. Yep, Tour de France. Um, Who is I that guy? The, I, I didn't send that photo in either, John. I didn't at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's me. It's Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who was the guy in the white shirt? I didn't say yeah. I don't know who that yeah, was. Hey, hey, I'm willing to cop it as well because I've uncovered this hard drive where we're going to unpack the 2009 Tour de France. And there, unfortunately, was a video when we were staying in Monaco for the um, presentation. And uh, I, I am absolutely astounded at how big I was back then. Um, let's have a look. What's going on, Jay? What's going on here, mate? Oh, There's been a bit of an incident. When you stay on beds like this, you've got to be careful on how you sit on them. Jeez. Don't just jump on them. But, uh, oh, shit, there goes another one. I've done four slats. Four slats in one night? Four slats in one night, so... I'm sleeping in a bit of a dugout till, uh... Yeah, four slats. Uh, not not my finest hours. Um, how, but... how big were you? You were four slats big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, Scotty, that was a, an amazing Tour de France. Uh, you got to rub shoulders with some pretty big celebrities. Uh, here's a snippet uh, of one of those celebrities. Ben, here at the Tour de France, are you a cycling fan? Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You ride yourself? Um, no. I, uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, I can ride, but I'm not like a really good rider. So we should organise a bike for you and get you out there. I offered to help out Lance's team, but they said they were full up. Well, they, on paper, they're fairly strong, and it'd be yeah. a pretty tough call to get in there. I think they're looking pretty good. They don't need my help. Oh, well, have a good day, mate. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, that was obviously Ben Stiller. Now, um, Lance used to attract some some big hitters, and, and Stiller, he wrecked his bike, didn't he, Scotty? The time yeah, trial. So- 
Yeah, he told us, um, he, and we didn't know if he was joking or not, but he said oh, he jumped on Lance's bike before the, the team time trial, and, and it had been arranged. Lance had said to him, hey, look, for the media, jump on my, my time trial bike. It was on the, on the home trainer for the warm-up. And he's riding away on it, whatever, but then he's hit the, the gear lever and then pedalled, and he's actually got the, jam, the, the chain jammed in the back end in the cassette and the derailleur. No one thought it too much of it. He got off the bike, whatever. But then the mechanics realised that in doing that, he twisted the chain and they had to actually take the chain off, put a new one on, and they were scrambling only minutes before the team time trial um, because mm. Lance, you know, Ben Stiller did actually break Lance Armstrong's bike. Um, <laughs> and we didn't find that out for sure until he came back the next year. And um, and then I followed up, you know, and asked him the questions and he told us the full story. He said, oh, absolutely. It was a true story. I broke Lance's bike. And yeah. so you imagine the desperation of the team, you know, first time back to the Tour de France for Lance and, uh, and right before the team time trial, which they did very, very well in. And speaking of Lance, uh, you jogged my memory yesterday about the time I um, hit him in the head with the camera. Now, we've got that vision. Now, there is some swearing involved. That's not us. It's Lance. It's, it's all Lance. Blame him. Um, so just earmuff it. But uh, we didn't want to bleep it out because it's as raw as it gets. Get the fuck out of the way! Fucking morons! Move back, asshole. It just gives you an idea of those scrums. Like, they were absolutely madness. And, and I remember when I hit his head, I thought, oh, I've stuffed up here. So I was able to sort of pull my way out of it. Um, but, yeah, he, he went absolutely mental. <laughs> but the fu- <laughs> I was going to say the funniest was when, after that, you got to do a very famous interview with Frank Schleck. We're, we're all waiting for you to attack Lance. Just didn't quite have the legs today. Well, I don't know. But uh, as far as I know, I, 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 I was attacking. I don't know if you haven't seen it, but I, I did. I, well, I didn't, actually. I was up here, stuck in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Right, I explain yourself, Scotty. <laughs> well, I did. I did the ultimate sin, right? So, don't go in with a question that's loaded, as if you actually watch the whole stage and you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was Montfontu. So, same with Lance Armstrong. That was the top of Montfontu. There isn't much of a space up there at all, as, as we saw with Lance and the scrum. Um, and and Frank Schleck uh, was always very accommodating, you know. And he was actually going into the the um, anti doping control. And just through the fence, I said, you know, Frank, we're going to have a quick grab. I hadn't really seen anything. We took so long to get to the top of the climb that day. It's packed. We get there fairly close to when the riders finish. So at the very top, there was one little monitor for everyone to watch. Um, so you're trying to look and the sun's on it. And it you couldn't really see anything. So I just thought, no. you know what, you know, it looked as if he hadn't, you know, the, 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 the two minutes of the entire 22-kilometre climb that I'd watched he hadn't attacked, so I just thought he must have attacked <laughs> for, the, for the other parts either. So I just hit with it, and I thought, "Hang on, we can't go with this." I said, "Look, you know what, mate? I was honest. I said, you know, 
and he didn't just rip into me. Um, I, I thought he was quite diplomatic. And I said, yeah, look, I actually haven't seen anything. Can we just start that again? I feel like an idiot, um, yeah. which I was. But I learned a lesson from that, you know. There's a couple of things. Don't go in with a loaded question. If you, don't, if you haven't seen it, don't assume you have. Let them tell the story. And the other one is actually be ready for a second question. Because if you go in with your first question and you haven't thought about a second and they come back with no or yeah, then there's this moment of pause, this awkward mm. silence while you think, oh, I've got to come up with another question. So, yeah, always have two questions loaded and ready to go. If you always got along well with the Schleck brothers. Yeah, I did. Yeah, they're, they're a gentleman. And uh, I, I can remember um, the last Tour down under they did. Frank was on the on the start line. I was up in the VIP, and just after I'd got a bit crook, and I'd, I'd lost about thirty five kilos, and uh, I remember leaning over saying, "You know, Frank." He looked up to me. He, he didn't even recognise me. And someone said to him, "That was Johnny Javaro." And so he he went out of his way after the stage finished to come and, and find me and say, "I'm sorry, John. I didn't recognise you because I was only half the man I used to be." Mm. <laughs> now. That wraps up the detour, DeLorean. It's all about who do we think for tonight's stage, boys? Who are we tipping? Uh, it's hard to, to not go with Michael Matthews. This is going to be a big test for all of us to see the form of Peter Sagan. I think I would assume after having raced the Tour de France now, I think he'll be in better form, but it will mm. be really interesting because we always expect Peter to be you know, the Peter Sagan we know, but he's getting older. You know, He's won the, the green jersey at the Tour de France seven out of nine years, you know, eventually he's going to have to start slowing down. So it's going to be a real interesting test to see if Saga can be in the big But Michael Matthews and, and perhaps for the uh, Almeida, as you can see, Almeida down the bottom there, $13. He was he's second, sitting second in the overall classification, as Matt White mentioned. He's a real danger for tonight. He finished third in the Tour of Burgos when racing recommenced earlier this year. This, so, and he was sec, uh, third behind... Remco Evanapol and Mikel Lander. So he can climb. He'll be able to get up mm. this hill. He might be the new leader of the tour. Yeah, Whitey picked him Whitey picked him to be, to be in uh, pink uh, tonight as well. Um, I, oh, look, I can't go past Bling. And I reckon those top three on the odds are where they're going to finish in the stage too. <laughs> and, uh, mm. So uh, that's where, I, if you want to go for a trifecta, that's, that's the one. I reckon the way he was talking, it it sounded even harder than what it looks like on the profile. Like it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Simon Yates is bopping around the top three. And as you said, Scotty, he's clearly in form, and he is that sort of punchy climber, and um, he can he can go with some fast guys, and and all the seconds are going to count. So I think Yates, you can get him about twenty six bucks. That's the each way play I'd be going for. Mm. Yeah, look, he is each way. I'd go with that. Yeah. Well, this time, John, I'll tell you, I've put the bet on and I'm not cashing out. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's make some crafts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're start somewhere. Yeah. Um, at right. Philippe, um, um, the, the Liege best on Liege is on as well. Oh, yeah. Tonight. Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, odds, not odds on favourite, but uh, obviously as a world champion, he's a man to go for it. And the women's Liege best on Liege as well. Hard to go past yeah. the Dutch, Anna van der Breggen and Annemiek van Vleuten. She'll be better than she was at Worlds because she did a wrist coming back from that crash at the the uh, the Giro Rosa. So I reckon Van Vleuten for the win. Yep. 
Good tip. All right. Well, that anything else to add, Ify, before we yeah, go? I, I, just, I think Alaphilippe will win tonight, uh, even though uh, uh, um, I think it was Bert said uh, he's a little party boy and he'd been playing up pretty hard since winning the world title. But uh, he's also one of the most uh, talented all-round cyclists I've ever seen. And uh, he's like the, uh, the, the ever-ready uh, energizer bunny you know he's, he just never runs out of uh of steam he bops away there all over the bike and i think he'll uh he'll, he'll win that one tonight and it should be great i love the leo's best and leo's a great race oh, oh it'll it'll be awesome. a cracker. Matt, matthew vanderpol um he won the final stage 50 kilometer solo breakaway brink back to um the other day uh, bink, bink back to her so he and he's exceptional he's a well fan well fan art Matthew Vanderpoel, these guys are just exceptional. So he'll be in the mix, no doubt. Um, Pogacar and Roglish are back as well. So let's see how the, the, the tour boys can go. Um, Mark Hershey's another one that's uh, yeah. going to be at Liège. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see how Richie Port and Chris Froome goes. Froome's on the start line as well. Obviously not a favourite for it, but it'll just be good to see the progression of Chris Froome if he's better than he was the last time we saw him on the bike. I'm just saying, then I can't believe I didn't run the 2014 Liège win from Gero as the DeLorean video. That was a bit of a brain fart. Instead, we ran Frank Schleck. That was. Yes. <laughs> Would have been a good one, actually. But anyway, next time. We'll, we'll play it tomorrow. Play it tomorrow. Play yeah. it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Gianni yeah. Damani. All, right. All right. No worries. <laughs> Thanks for joining in. As we said, spread the word. Facebook uh, forward slash uh, Detour Pod. And it's on YouTube, LinkedIn. Uh, I think we're on Periscope on Twitter. Uh, and get amongst at 7.30 every night. We'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers.